Friday night, we circled up. It's going down around these pickup trucks. Yeah, it's cold cans and Dixie cups. Just out here doing what we've always done. Al Godfrey, AJ Godfrey, Coach KT, Tracy Roberts. Welcome back, everybody, up and down and across mm. the network on this beautiful weekend in mm-hmm. sunny Southern California. We've been all over the countryside uh, yep. with lots of different reports. It's been great. Headed to Vegas next week and uh, hanging out over there at our partner, Westgate. Um, can't wait to enjoy the biggest sports book on the planet. But uh, we got some good stuff to talk about right now here on the show. Back with us yet again, America's frontline doctor, at least one of them. Uh, we've got Dr. Jeffrey Barkey out of Newport Beach, California. How you doing? I am doing great. Happy Friday. Great to be with you. Hey, Doc, thanks for seeing my daughter, Allison, a couple weeks ago. Appreciate it. We yep. need all the help we can get. Uh, you're you're very welcome. And, um, you know, it was kind of cool. I don't know if you know this, but she sent me this phenomenal care package from <laughs> my favorite bakery, Bee's Bakery, out in the San Fernando Valley. Yep. And uh, it was absolutely wonderful and a uh, fantastic surprise. So, Allison, shout out to you if you're listening, and uh, thank you so much. Yeah, great. We're very familiar with bees and morts. Let me ask you a question, um, Doctor. And I, I've I've kind of uh, I've noticed some uh, comments too from. I'm just you know interesting. America's frontline doctors, which I I put you guys on like the highest pedestal ever. But is is there a reason why there's only like 15 or under 20 doctors that are associated that make up the frontline doctors. How, why is that? We are the bees bakery of uh, frontline <laughs> doctors. And uh, there's, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, I was uh, talking to Simone about this and mm-hmm. saying, how many members do, do we actually have? And she said, you know, it's funny. I don't know that there's an actual number. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds and hundreds of physicians that follow us, that use our information. Okay. Maybe they're not listed on the website. Uh, There's a core group of us that are doing a lot of the activism. Right. uh, But there is a group behind the scenes in the hundreds, Mm -hmm. maybe the thousands, uh, that use the information that we publish and treat patients and uh, are activists in their own quiet way locally as opposed to being very public. And it's sad that you say in their own quiet way because of some, you know, uh, stigmas that, that people might be out there, very negative uh, uh, vibes, if you will. But we won't get into that so much because I'm all I'm all for hearing everyone's opinions and sides. Of course, I, I you know, tend to uh, lean and listen to you guys a little bit more. But my question also um, is it's interesting because, I, you know, I look, I have friends who you know, have gotten the vaccine. Um, I choose at least, you know, I have a choice. Thank God we live in America. You can have your choice. I choose not to get it. Um, But, you know, trying to make no judgment out there. But here's the thing that I'm curious about. Um, The vaccine, you know, what about people who either have had cancer? I feel like cancer never really goes away. Maybe you're in remission or people who may be going through some other sort of ailment, heart disease, whatever it might be. Do you think getting a vaccine or, um, you know, anything that's going to come back, it's going into your system. So there's just something else to go into your system to have some sort of effect. Do you think it's positive or something that it's smart to get a vaccine when you've dealt with this? 
Well, you know, one way to look at it is uh, people with underlying health conditions are at higher risk if they get COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So one way to view it is, are are, are those people, therefore, um, should they step up and get the vaccine because if they get COVID, they're at higher risk? That's one way to look at it. There are others that feel because the vaccine is so new and unknown, Uh could it affect your immune system adversely where whatever underlying condition you have could be made worse? Right. You know, my belief is that um, we can treat COVID fairly easily, as a matter of fact, and successfully, whether you're in a high risk group or a low risk group, we're good at treating it um, if you treat the disease early. If you wait until you're a couple weeks in about to hit the hospital, it's uh, difficult to treat. If you treat it almost immediately after you test positive and you have symptoms, it's pretty straightforward and easy to treat. There's a lot of different protocols out there, and uh, we kind of mix and match some of the meds and strategies. Mm -hmm. So personally, I've treated patients that are in very high-risk groups with COVID. They do just fine, especially if you treat them early. So everybody's got to make their own decision. I tend to lean in the direction of, I'm just not sure about this vaccination. Mm -hmm. Uh, It worries me that it's using new technology that we've never used before in a vaccination. It worries me that there were very limited safety studies that brought this to market. Right. It also worries me that we're seeing on the VAERS, V-A-E-R-S, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, thousands of side effects. There's been now close to 4,000 deaths associated with the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Not causation, but correlation. I'm not saying that the vaccine kills people, but there are definitely growing concerns. Um, so, you know, listen, I, I'm not getting vaccinated. Um, I'm not in a high-risk group, though, either. And those in a high-risk group or underlying conditions should make that determination with consultation with their doctor. Here's the thing, though. It's like, it's you know, it's it's just an interesting time because you put all your faith in your doctor. But because this is such a new thing. You know, who's to say that, you know, your doctor's right when he or she says, oh, it's fine, it's safe, when it's very new still? Um, you know, I don't know. I just feel like why not give it a few, like a little longer and, and see, you know, other you know effects or just, I don't know. It's just, it, for me, it's scary. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a scary time we live in, especially because dissenting voices are suppressed. And dissenting opinions are completely eliminated from uh, the discussion. We've never had that before. There's a telegraph, um, telegraph, telegram uh, chat room that I'm in with a lot of highly credentialed docs, Stanford, UCLA, Harvard, and they put forward, you know, postulates and ideas about what's going on when we see a side effect, what's causing the blood clots and so forth. And we have this open discussion and vigorous debate, but we can't do it in public. And that's, it's never happened before. If we have this debate in public, we're called names, we're, we're called charlatans and quacks, and people try to dox us. And so instead, we set up this you know, group on, a, on new social media platforms. Mm-hmm. So highly credentialed people uh, can have a conversation. And on Telegram, there's many of these COVID chats, and the one I happen to be in, or you know, people, I'm almost embarrassed to be part of it because these folks are just 
incredible researchers with, uh, you know, great credentials. And you, you'd recognize the names. You've seen them on the media and, and you've seen them shunned in the media. And these, these are folks that have worked at the highest level, mm-hmm. but they don't want to have this discussion in public because of fear of retribution and fear to the reputation. And it's, it's ridiculous, but that's what's going on with the intersection of politics and healthcare. Yeah, just the opposite of you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me ask you a question, too, because, um, and I could be wrong, but the, is it true, of course, I would, I would assume that the government can change this at any time they want, but the FDA needs at least, what, five years to make it approved? Uh, I mean, it, var- it varies, but okay. typically a vaccine can take five years, sometimes longer. Uh-huh. And the reason why it takes a long time is um, there's extensive animal testing that's done. Usually they use ferrets. Um, uh, you know, no, no disrespect to guinea pigs, but they use <laughs> ferrets as guinea pigs. And that's because ferrets have a immune system that functions similar to humans, so they can oh. test stuff to see about antibody responses and so forth. Mm-hmm. So obviously it makes sense. You test it on animals to make sure it's safe, and it's often unsafe. We've been playing with coronavirus vaccines for a long time, trying to bring them to the market. Coronavirus is the most common cause of common cold. So wouldn't it be cool if we had a vaccine against common colds? But they experiment with these ferrets with various variations on the theme of coronavirus vaccines. They seem to work, but then they expose the ferret to the real virus and the ferrets die because of an exaggerated immune response. So they they haven't been able to quite get it right. But with these vaccines that they brought to the market, specifically Moderna and Pfizer, the messenger RNA vaccines, there was almost no animal testing. The FDA gave a waiver because of the state of emergency to uh, go right into human trials. Um, So there's little animal testing and there was very, very limited human trials. Only, I think it was three or four months worth of human trials before they presented their white paper to the FDA asking for permission to use them under emergency use authorization. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm hopeful in a few years somebody will win a Nobel Prize for making the greatest vaccine ever, uh, but we just don't know that yet. And to just start massively vaccinating the entire population doesn't make sense to me. And now, as the FDA gives emergency use, to vaccinating kids, I think, as, as low as 12 years old. Now we have entered into pure politics as opposed to science, because there is no science to suggest that we should be vaccinating young kids because they have almost no risk from COVID-19 and unknown risk from these um, vaccines that have not even been tested on children yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Let's give out the website for the good doctor. Well, first of all, I am on americasfrontlinedoctors.org. But let's not forget the fact that you've got a wonderful practice in Newport Beach, California. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, Yeah, I've been practicing in uh, private practice for a bunch of years, 25 plus years. It's Mm -hmm. a concierge practice uh, down in Newport Beach. Okay. Um, And we treat a whole bunch of people. I've treated hundreds of COVID patients as well. Uh, You can find out more about me on my website, rx4liberty, rx4forliberty.com. Okay. Uh, There's a link to a book that I wrote there. 
either directly to the publisher or Amazon, if you, if you don't mind using Amazon. COVID-19 <laughs> is physicians' take on the exaggerated fear of the coronavirus. I'm kind of addicted to Amazon. My wife is trying to break me of that addiction, but it sure is hard. It is, uh, isn't it? For those of you that don't like it, you can go directly to my publisher if you want to buy the book. It's a book of essays, and the foreword is written by Dennis Prager. I'm kind of proud of that. And Larry Elder wrote a blurb on the back of it, too, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, they're all friends of ours. Yeah, I love Larry. Hey, hey Doc, talk a little bit about, uh, on a daily basis, preventative uh, vitamins, nutrients, things that we should be uh, all uh, oh, totally. s- swallowing every day. What do, you, what do you suggest again? Yeah, you know, we don't do enough of that. As a matter of fact, I saw a guy yesterday, he's a young guy, 19, 20 years old, and came in for a physical. We routinely test his blood. He had a vitamin D level of 10 of 10. Wow. And normal, normal, according to the lab, is like something above 30. What I recommend is you try to get it closer to 80. The normal range is 30 to 100. Mm-hmm. You get it closer to 80. Vitamin D is so important. This this kid was like at vampire level of vitamin <laughs> D. He had so little sunshine. So we immediately put him on some vitamin D supplements. So critical during this COVID time is not to worry about all the garbage you're reading in the media, but take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Get outside and get some exercise. Get exposed to a little bit of midday sun so you can get some vitamin D. Measure your vitamin D. It's cheap to do any any simple blood test. Make sure it's in the upper end of normal limits, and uh, and that may mean you need to supplement. I also recommend that you supplement with quercetin. I got that. Quercetin with a Q. Yeah. Um, and uh, and zinc, about 25 milligrams of zinc. Why zinc? Because zinc disrupts viral replication. So if you have a little bit of zinc on board and you get exposed, you might be better off. And recently, I've been reading and learning about the effects of melatonin. Now, most people know melatonin as the, the natural medication or supplement you take to help you sleep at night, and it can be good for that. But I'm talking about taking melatonin because it has immune boosting properties and reduces inflammation. So I recommend somewhere in the three to five milligram of melatonin every night. Um, and that's what that's what I take, not because I have trouble sleeping, because I'm trying to take advantage of the immune boosting properties. So exercise, keep your weight down, make sure your blood sugar isn't high, vitamin D, in a solid upper level, upper normal level. Okay. So those are some basic things that are in your control to do, and you're not worried about what other people are telling you to do. Right. Any comment on magnesium? Sure. So, you know, most multivitamins have magnesium in it, and uh, I think it's a good add to the mix of things. And okay. now I'm also reading about you know, pine needle extracts of various types that people are playing around with because there's this underlying din on social media about can vaccinated people shed something that is harmful to unvaccinated people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing or not. I'm reading a lot about it. I've had several patients anecdotally mm-hmm. swear that it's a thing with um women that their periods have been off now when they're around vaccinated people a lot. And I don't know if that's a thing or not. And then the anecdote, I've listened to some uh, health, uh, natural health programs, something about pine needles that has a specific chemical in it that may be helpful. 
I don't know about that. I'm learning about it. And it's kind of an interesting um, discussion that's going on in social media uh, about the potential risk of vaccinated to the unvaccinated. The only pine needles we know is we just had a great trip three years ago to North Carolina and played uh, Pine Needles Country Club. Ah, what a phenomenal uh, destination. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> hey, uh, last question. I know you're busy, um, but I'm curious to know uh, your opinion on, um, you know, basically wearing a mask while you're working out. I mean, everyone's got their thing, mask, no mask, whatever it might be. Some people say it's not good from a, uh, you know, an oxygen type of, you know, perspective, but talk a little bit about working yeah. out with a mask on. <laughs> oh, sure. You know, actually working out with a mask on is a technique that elite athletes have used right. to purposely deprive themselves of oxygen <laughs> to simulate a high altitude workout. There are devices that literally you can buy so, you know, don't do this if you're if you're not a skilled, trained athlete. Right. Uh, but that is a technique uh, preparing for a race or an event where you simulate high altitude um, in order to get condition your body. Hmm. Now, for the average person, it's not it's a terrible idea to put a mask on um, and it potentially can be dangerous. We've all seen the video recently. There is a there's a girl running at a track meet with a mask on and she collapses right at the finish line. Yep. Um, and it's a terrible idea, especially as a child whose lung capacity is lower, whose oxygen levels because of their lung capacity is lower. It's a terrible idea. Makes no sense. Is potentially dangerous. Uh, scientifically makes no sense from a COVID prevention standpoint. Masks generally don't make any sense anyways. Um, and can be dangerous. So uh, I, it really upsets me when I see children at school with masks on, and, and in particular when they're outside on the playground and they're playing with masks on. Right. Not only is it not helpful to prevent COVID, it is literally harmful to them for their health and their mental health in particular. I love yeah, it. Yeah, we're much better off at Bee's Bakery and Mort's <laughs> Deli. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, you, you're better off just putting a piece of rye bread over your mouth. <laughs> that, might be, that might be more beneficial. Doctor Barky, always a pleasure. Thanks for everything. Let's get you back on soon enough. Thanks, boys. Appreciate your time. All right, there you go, Doctor Jeffrey Barky. Of course, uh, phenomenal doctor out of Newport Beach, and also one of the founders of America's Frontline Doctors. He is truly one of the best. And if you're interested in more information, just go to the website, americasfrontlinedoctors.org. More to come live, living the good life, coming to you live from L.A. In the city, she can see the stars.